Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We have merch. Check out the AmericanGlutton.net shop. We've got T-shirts, hoodies, hats, and more. A number of people have come up to me wearing American Glutton merch, and nothing fills my heart with more pride than seeing somebody in one of these T-shirts. And I've been stopped on the street and asked where to get it when somebody sees me in an American Glutton hoodie. Well, you can get it all at the shop on AmericanGlutton.net. And my favorite T-shirt, yesterday it was tomorrow, right now, is up now Get it while supplies last. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. My guest today is Matt Graham. Matt is not a guru or a motivational speaker. He's just a guy trying to help. You can find him on Instagram at NotMattGraham. Matt Graham, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thank you for having me. Dude, I love your, I love your, your kind of no nonsense approach to like getting people. I, I know you say you're not a motivational speaker. However, much of what you say, it feels motivational to me. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. What are you trying to accomplish? Yeah. I think the motivation is just a byproduct of the things that I say. Um, but I'm really trying to like reframe the way that people think and the way that they approach, uh, self-improvement and personal development, uh, I fundamentally think that every single goal you have and basically the reality in which you live is can be broken down and tied to the actions that you take every single day. And so that's kind of the framework that I operate from. And people seem to be motivated by that, which is cool. Uh, But really, if people can shift their thinking and more importantly, shift their actions, uh, they're going to 
yield a better result in their life. And that's really what I'm trying to accomplish. And I think the butterfly effect of that, if you know thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people take action on that, then we're going to see an, an actual tangible effect in society. And so that's that's really what I'm after. Yes. Okay. And and fair and to to the overall point in, in the scheme of things, I know you're kind of disinterested in motivating people because the idea is that discipline is senior to motivation. Yeah. I made this analogy the other day. I think motivation is, is kind of like the Nas in Fast and Furious, right? Like it, it's not what you fuel your car with, but it, it's that extra bump. It gets you, it can, it can get you that little bit extra that you need that day to get where you need to go. But it's not something that you should be relying on day to day for your for to to get to where you want to go and make those achievements that you need to make. And I think that motivation is more so a response of your environment. Oftentimes, like the things that you get motivated motivated by the most tend to be actually achieving things. I think that when you are when you start to see progress in the gym, that is when you're most motivated to continue to go to the gym. And so discipline gets you there. And then motivation can take you further. Um, yeah. But really, really the the backbone of everything is is discipline showing up when, regardless of whether or not you feel like showing up. Yeah, I think that's fair. There, were, um, I used to ride bicycles a lot. Like, I mean, like I went and did every stage of the Tour de France one year and I was like super into cycling. And there was a, a German racer named Jens Voigt and he he actually was raised in eastern germany when it was still you know kind of like occupied and he had this whole saying like somebody asked him how he did what he did cuz he did some crazy things like he would just go out on his own ahead of the peloton and be riding alone in the wind and he said i just say shut up legs and so shut up legs became this like thing like i had a t-shirt that said shut up legs shut up legs didn't get me out of bed every day it didn't get me on the bike in the morning. It didn't even start my ride, but every now and again, when I'd be going up some monster hill and my legs are dying and I'm thinking like, I got to stop and take a break. I would think Jens Voigt says, shut up legs. I'm going to tell my legs to shut up and I'm going to keep going. So I think that the structure requires discipline to have success. And then the little gems of motivation are useful to keep you going. I like your analogy of the NAS in the fast and the furious. It just gives you that little kick. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's going to be there someday. It's a feeling just like any other feeling, you know, some days you feel motivated. Some days you feel unmotivated. Some days you, you know, feel happy. Some days you feel sad and and those feelings come and go and they can't be relied upon to always be there. Uh, but when they're there, you should use them. Yeah. Uh, it's just like, you know, if you're, if you're angry, I'm sure that you've had better workouts when you're angry sometimes because, you know, you just channel that energy and, and turn it into a really good workout. And so that's how, that's how it should be approached. In my opinion is just, you know, notice it when it's there and then use it, use it as fuel, but it's not always going to be there. And I think that's where people uh, tend to get too attached to the idea of motivation where they, they feel like they need motivation in order to take action. So you don't need motivation to take action. That's like saying, that's like saying I need the feeling of joy in order to smile. It's like, no, you can smile, right? That's just a movement of your facial muscles, but having joy makes smiling a lot easier. Yeah. And, and in fact, I read a, a study that said that by forcing yourself to smile, you, you will actually, you have a likelihood of increasing your sensation of joy. 
Yeah. And I, I also think that if you practice discipline, you're going to increase your motivation. Right. Yeah. 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 So what, what, what's the, what is the scheme for somebody who, I mean, is it, is it taking very small steps at first? I, I, I like the idea of just take action, but what do you, what do you say to somebody who is utterly floundering and like has no direction to add action to? Sure. I think that, well, there's kind of two parts of this there. There's the, a lot of people ask what, I don't know what I want, right? I don't know what I want to pursue. It's well, that's fine. You need to know what you However, there are things that you need to pursue. You should be pursuing better physical health. You should be pursuing uh, a better income. You should be pursuing better relationships. You should be pursuing these things at all times. And so there's action associated with that right there. There are things you can do right there. If you are not in the best shape you could possibly be in, you got work to do. If your relationships aren't as good as they could possibly be, you got work to do. If you're not making as much money as you could make, if you did X, Y, Z, then you got work to do. Um, but when people are starting out on their journey, I think that oftentimes it's less about what needs to be added and more about what needs to be removed. And so a lot of people are indulging in very poor habits, poor diet, poor, you know, habits in terms of like video games and, and, you know, entertainment and, you know, just poor habits all around. So I would audit those two things. What things do I need to add in order to improve myself in the handful of key areas of life, physical, mental, spiritual relationships, financial, and then what do I need to remove that is, that is blocking me from being that best version of myself in those key areas. One of those aspects, which I've been thinking a lot, a, a lot about lately for myself is, um, impulse control. And, mm -hmm. and so I'm, I'm a sober person now. I, w I was, I've been to rehab. I've, I've got an extensive drug history, but I've been sober for a long time. Um, and I apply similar kind of behavioral principles to how I eat. Um, and you know, like uh, with my sobriety, I, I have like this idea of being of service to others. And so I apply that to myself with food and nutrition and health and exercise and getting to the gym and stuff. I've got to, I've got commitments I've made to myself. Um, but what I find is that I have to kind of be watchful of my mind because my mind has ideas and desires that I wonder if like, I think of some, I think of like classifying people as normal and abnormal. And I certainly feel myself as being one of the abnormal ones. I think that's also horrible because probably most people don't feel normal. But when I look at people who don't have substance abuse problems, who, who aren't morbidly obese and who, who just lead these kind of quote unquote normal lives, I wonder if they are having the same thoughts as I am and able to just say, no, I'm not going to eat two Big Macs for lunch and have a bucket of chicken wings. And if, if that is even a struggle for them and, and what you would say to somebody who, who is kind of trampled on the governor or regulator that controls that in a quote unquote normal person. Again, I, I don't like using the word normal, but like for this context, a person who doesn't have trouble not going to the McDonald's drive through would be a normal person or a person who can go to the McDonald's drive-thru and just eat a 
quote unquote normal sized meal and it doesn't make them fat and they're not eating to the point where they're sick. When those um, uh, desires to use drugs or or food in in a way almost to anesthetize themselves, how how would you suggest they repair that so that that's not harming them? Sure. Well, the first thing that I would posit is that I would argue that normal is increasingly moving towards the your definition of abnormal because right. 69% of US adults are overweight, 42.4% are obese, and that number is going up every single day. And so the the impulse control that you feel that you lacked at, at a particular time in your life, I think is starting to become the norm. And I think it's because our society is largely oriented towards comfort and convenience and that we should we should pursue the things that make our lives easier and safer and more comfortable. And so as long as society is oriented towards that direction, then we're, we're going to start seeing this mindset be, be the status quo. And so I think that you're probably more abnormal now because you have developed a mindset where you can cultivate discipline, where you can make decisions for yourself. Um, what I would say to the person that is struggling with impulse control is to understand that your entire ability to to practice discipline comes down to the decision or the decision you make between stimulus and response. It is seeing the burger in front of you and making the choice to eat or not eat. And so there's a little space there where you get it, you get an opportunity to make a decision. And the more that you give in to the short-term impulse, the shorter that window is going to be to the point where it's instantaneous and you just look at the burger and you eat it. You don't even think about it twice. You're barely even making a decision at this point. The most disciplined people on earth are able to widen that gap between stimulus and response and, and analyze the situation to extrapolate out that decision, okay, if I eat this, then I'm probably going to eat another thing. Then I'm probably going to eat another thing. And then I'm going to feel crappy tomorrow. And then the likelihood that I'm going to continue those habits into the rest of the week. And how's that going to affect my progress? Like they can make those decisions right there in the moment. And the that is the separator between someone who's disciplined and someone who's not. They are not able to analyze the situation in the moment and say, okay, is this actually a good decision? What is What is going to be the result of me making this decision? When you lack impulse control, it is because you lack the ability to have that self-awareness and, and extrapolate out the, re the result of taking that action. And so it really boils down to self-awareness and being able to understand, like, like be aware of, of when those moments arrive because they happen all the time, right? You, you're given options every single day, all throughout the day to make one decision or the other. And with every, every single decision you make, you're either moving closer to the person you'd like to be, or you're moving away from the person that you'd like to be. And so cultivating self-awareness is going to be the most important aspect of this, because if you're unable to look at yourself as if you are a third person that is responsible for taking care of you, then you're, you're, you're just going to do what the almost childlike or animalistic version of yourself would want to do, which is they see food, they eat, right? What does a dog do? They see food, they eat. They want this, they get that, right? And so that leads to a very chaotic life where you become a slave to those short-term impulses. And if you want any control over your mind, you're going to have to be more self-aware and take it decision by decision and pause before you make any decision and think, what is going to be the result of this decision? And then that's it. 
And if you can do that over and over and over again and continue to work that muscle and widen that gap between stimulus and response, between seeing and doing, uh, then you're going to have the discipline you need to go anywhere you want to go because you can you can make sound decisions and make sure that you're always moving towards the person you want to be and not away from it. Yeah. No, that's great. I can remember years ago before I was thinking even close to terms like that, where I was just like white knuckling weight loss and it was, and, and on like absurd diets, 500 calorie a day diets and not thinking about repercussions and long-term and anything like that. I would almost have these moments of blackout where I'm going to get I'm going to lose weight just by deciding I'm going to lose weight and clinging to this thought. And then, you know, I'd, I'd wind up walking into uh, Best Buy and I'd, I'd almost wake up having eaten Reese's Pieces in my car and that I that I go like, oh, my God, how did this happen? So yeah. I know exactly what you're saying, how that that window can get so small. It's almost like you've lost time, right? Like w- even if there were five minutes where you're waiting for them to make it. You've lost time. That doesn't yep. exist. And you're just just then eating it. I, I also agree totally that like the more thought you put into this and into yourself, the larger and easier that becomes. Like, for instance, I, I've, I've been sober decades and I never get to the point where it's like, I'm going to drink that drink because I'm now 50 steps back examining the decision that could lead me to that. And able to, and able to then go like, I'm not, I'm not even going to get close to the situation where it's available to me, Yeah, which I I think is safer, you know, and then granted, if somebody at a restaurant served me a martini, I now have almost like a matrix slow down time and go like, what's happening here? Get that away. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it, and it takes a lot of experience uh, like to build that level of self-awareness to where, you know, yourself, like for me, marijuana was like a, my crutch for a really long time. And, you know, I tried to quit doing it. I tried to like be the guy that only did it after work or only did it, you know, on weekends or only with friends or only during this time. And it took months and months and honestly, years of trying and failing and trying and failing to just come to terms with the fact that like, it's not for me. It's not for me. If I'm not able to have the self-control to to have this in my life, then I need to remove it. And it also this also, you know, came into effect with with like business ideas. You know, like I would I was always the guy that was like I'm doing I'm starting this business, then it would just dissipate over a week or two. And then I'm like, "All right, I got this new idea. It's going to be so awesome. Trust me. This is the one." I I mean it like I totally mean it. And then, you know, this idea, that idea, this idea, until I had to stop and realize, okay, I have done this so many times. How about I just shut up? How about I just have the idea, let the idea sit. And then, and then if it, if it sounds good in two weeks, then maybe we start to work on it. Uh, But that takes practice. That takes experience. And I think that for your example, right. With, with drinking, like it probably took you a lot of time, a lot of repetitions of trying to only drink during this time and only drink on the weekends and only do this and only do that. And then failing at that to realize, all right, I just got to stop, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it it was in my opinion, much worse than alcohol. It, I, I was a junkie and 
addicted to many drugs and 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 there and I would try like, well, you know, I'm just going to use pills because pills are safer than the drugs I was doing. And, and then right. those get out of hand. And 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 yeah, it's a slippery slope, I think. But I would also apply this to the way the way I eat today. I've maintained my weight now at a 280 pound loss for five years. Prior to this, I'd lost lots of weight many times and never was able to maintain. It was never sustainable. I think the longest period of weight loss I ever had was when I was doing eight hours of cardio a day for like a year and a half on my bike. But I, you can't live like that. Like the rest no. of my life was a shambles. Like I never hung out with my kids. I would ride my bike. I would get home utterly exhausted, wasted and have to lay down. That was no way to live. And so I stopped doing that and I gained weight. But there is something to, you know, I think there's a strong desire from folks to not want to give up the life that they're living, you know, because what you're talking about, how marijuana was essentially a part of your identity to some degree or another, you, you know what I oh, mean? Oh, for sure. So, so that's something we cling on to. And, and like, I think with dieting too, it's like, well, I'll do keto and I'm just going to do keto until, you know, and then there are people who like take on the identity of a keto person. Like I'm just never going to eat bread for the rest of my life. And, and right. I go, okay. But I think that many people, I haven't seen anyone just do keto, get to the point where they're happy with their body and done for a long time and mm -hmm. never have to do anything else. And most of the people I see who are like super keto advocates started out fairly lean, you know? And yeah. so I, I, that to me doesn't make sense for massive weight loss, but like this idea of keto as a diet, it's like, I'm just not going to eat bread, but I'm not going to really mess with any of my other habits and compulsions and impulses. You know, I have an impulse now I'm eating, you know, McDonald or seven 11 hot dogs without the bun. Right. You know, I, I think it, it does require like a really a giving up of some portion of who we think we are. hundred percent. Yeah. To make a change like you're talking about. Yeah. And I think, I think you're spot on there. I think that a lot of this is tied to identity and people don't want to give up the part of themselves that they're so accustomed to being. And so I can totally relate to that. And I know people, unfortunately, I know people that wear the cape of like the funny fat guy, even though they always complain about how miserable they are. They always complain about how, you know, depressed they are, how unhappy they are with themselves. And, you know, they don't like looking in the mirror and yet they run around like parading that they're the, they're, they're the fat guy. It's like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to, you don't have to wear that cape just because you've always been that. And, you know, I think that if you want to make certain changes, you do have to give up a part of yourself because what, who are you really, but the, the result of your actions, you know, you are the amalgamation of everything that you do on a daily basis. And so by default, by, by giving up at certain actions, you are giving up a piece of yourself and you have to be willing to let go of that. And if you're not, then you're not going to change. If you try to cling on to, you know, the funny fat guy shtick, and you know, you're, it's, it's very interesting when you think about it from an identity perspective, because it, it, it creates a bit of a crisis in people's minds. We're like, okay, are people not going to like me anymore because I'm not the funny fat guy anymore? Are people not going to like me anymore because I don't smoke weed with all my friends anymore? 
Are people not going to like me anymore because I don't go out and drink and party like, like I did in the past? Are those friends going to abandon me now because I don't do the same things that they do? And like, these are the questions that people have and it largely stop, stops them from making the changes that they need to make. Yeah. Uh, another thing you said that made me think of something was when you were talking about these businesses and you announce, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and then it would peter out. I read something about um, that we can almost and and there I'm, my mind is split on this because there's one part of me that's like if you if you're going to quit drinking and you have friends that are supportive of this or quit pot or whatever and 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 you're appealing to them to help you stay sober i understand that but there is some aspect where just the acknowledgement from saying i'm going to do x i'm going to lose weight and you get a people, a bunch of people going, that's great. We're super excited for you. That acknowledgement alone can be all you needed. Like, and you could stop like, oh, well, I got this big outflow of, of, of love and warmth from people. And that made me feel good. So I'm not going to do the thing because I got whatever I needed out of it anyway. You know, yeah. when it's superficial in that way. Yeah, you definitely receive a dopamine hit from telling people what you're going to do. Um and that that's what kind of starts the uh the 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 Monday cycle, you know, the I'm going to start on Monday, the the watching videos of David Goggins or whatever running 6 million miles asking who's going to carry the boats on a Sunday evening and then deciding you're going to be an entirely different person tomorrow. And it's like just by that thought you're giving you're you're giving yourself the dopamine that you need to like you almost feel like you're doing it because you're because you're thinking about it. Uh but that's not doing it. That's just that's just motivation going back to the going back to the ori original subject. Motivation without action is 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 not it's nothing but a feeling. And so Unfortunately, that feeling is enough for certain people. And so this is why when it comes to self-improvement, personal development, whatever you would prefer to call it, I just focus on daily improvement, right? What does the term self-improvement mean? It's not, it's not self become a perfect person on Monday morning. It is self-improvement, just every single day becoming a tiny little bit better. And you just break that down to, okay, what do I need to do? in each area of my life to become even just a fraction of a percent. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. ...better than I was yesterday. And then you do that over time, then it's gonna, you're going to end up being the person that you want to be. It's just like weight loss. I, I always liken everything to fitness because it's just so, it's so analogous to life. And so like, if you need to lose 280 pounds, that's a very daunting task. You know, if you're, if you're at rock bottom right now and you're, you know, a junkie or you are completely broke or you're, you know, super overweight or wherever you're at, Becoming the person that you want to be or getting the result that you want to get seems like this this Mount Everest level task. But in order to lose 280 pounds, you have to lose a fraction of a pound first. So why not focus on that fraction of a pound today and then do the same thing tomorrow and then do the same thing the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And eventually, if you just keep remaining focused on that fraction of a pound or that fraction of a dollar or a fraction of you know whatever level of improvement you would like to, whatever metric you'd like to use, over time, you're going to get where you want to go. It's like you didn't get to be... How, how, how heavy did you end up getting? 550. So you didn't get to be 550 overnight. Right. You, didn't come out, you didn't come out of the womb 550. And you didn't, you didn't eat one meal on a, on a Sunday evening, that Monday morning, you woke up 550 pounds. So it's not going to be the same in the other direction either. Yeah, It just was every single day doing the wrong thing until you got to a point where you're like, oh shit. And guess what? The same thing happened in the other direction. You do a bunch of things the right way over time. You're going to wake up and say one day, oh shit, look at that. Look at these, all these old pictures of me. The, the reason I like your framing and the problem I had for many, many years was my solution was a short-term solution, meaning I thought I was treating an acute problem. I thought that once X, my weight was handled by being less than it was, then problems gone versus what you're talking about is we're going to basically learn life over again, but step-by-step because step, it's hard. You can't, you can't take somebody and say like, Everything is going to be different tomorrow. Like every single thing you do and the way you do it, we're going to alter it in such a radical way. But like when I think about my life today, it's nothing at all like it was 20 years ago. There's, there is no kind of commonality with the way I live my life at all. Um, mm -hmm. But and, and I will say this, too. The times I tried to do it all in one day to, to like restructure my entire life, I also failed because it was just overwhelming and it was unsustainable. So the way you're approaching it, I think makes a lot of sense. I, unfortunately, it took me 20 years of mostly failing to come to the idea of like, oh, all I got to get rid of all of that shit. Like all of that shit has to go and. I'm not going to know what that looks like until I start working on it individually and like figure it out. And it's going to take a while and it's a whole life. It's literally, it's literally the rest of your life. Like people think that there's some sort of finish line when it comes to being the best version of yourself. It's like the goalpost moves every day, every right. single day that you get better, you realize how much better you could get. And so it's a, it's a forever thing, you know, and, and that's, that's, 
the fun of it. That's the game. You know, you, it's, it's a, it's a never ending chase. Um, what you said makes me think of something Derek Wida said. I don't, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a veteran that's on Instagram, but he, uh, he said that when you have all these bad habits, right? Like it's okay to still be bad, just be a, a little bit more good. You know, like if you have like 10 bad habits, like if you are, let's say, I don't know, on drugs, you're eating terribly, you're not working out, you're not doing, you're doing the all these different habits, just like keep doing all the rest of the bad ones. Just focus on the one first, right? Get off drugs. How about yeah. start there? Right. And then once you're off drugs, now let's focus on our diet. And then once you got your diet down, now let's get, now let's start building some muscle. And then that's kind of the, the buildup of how it works. And it, and it compounds over time. Like if you are completely out of shape, right. And you get in shape that affects all the other areas of your life, right? Let's say you're the average guy and you, you just, generally out of shape. You're not morbidly obese. You're just generally out of shape. You know, you have a poor diet. You sit in your lazy boy recliner on Sundays, eating chicken wings and drinking beer, right? If you just stop doing that, get in shape, start building muscle, your testosterone goes up, you have all these effects, you're going to have more energy at work. You're going to make more money. You're going to be in a better mood. How's that going to affect your marriage? How's going to, that going to affect your relationship with your kids? You're going to be able to play with your kids. Their childhood's going to be different right? This, it has a massive butterfly effect in every single area of your life. And so you don't have to try to be this perfect person, this perfect specimen on day one. Yeah, It's, it's a nice thought, but it's not realistic. If you just focus on the thing that's affecting your life the most first, the rest sort of kind of takes care of itself. As long as you actually take care of that first thing, then you're going to get motivated to take care of the next thing. And then that next thing affects your life in different ways. And then it just, it compounds over time. And then like you said, you end up being a different person yeah. before you, before you know it. Yeah. And, and a different person who, you know, is, is excited truly like if, if you had told the 27 year old version, no, that's even a little, if you'd told the 22 year old version of me, what the 47 year old version of me eats every day and how much time I spend in the gym and how active I am. The 22 year old version would have said, that's crazy. Like, it's not even I, like, I, I think he probably would have thought like he, I would be miserable and yet I'm not, I'm, I'm net much happier today than I was then. And I feel better yeah. and, and everything, all aspects of life have improved and yet it's still work. It is still work and I still have to put effort into it. It's not, you know, I, I think about things like brushing my teeth. I don't really have to put any effort into that. I don't ever forget to brush my teeth, you know, five years in to wanting to front load my meals with lean protein. I still have to sometimes go like, Hey, which one am I going to choose? I really want you know, fatty pastrami, I think I'm going to go with chicken breast or turkey breast or lean ground beef or something like that. You know, that's still a little bit of effort goes into it. It hasn't become quite as mindless for me as brushing my teeth, but it's a hell of a lot easier than it was five years ago. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a really interesting point that you made about people like the past version of yourself thinking that you, you would be miserable if you describe the lifestyle that you currently live. And that's something that I've experienced kind of in real time, because when you make sort of the mental and physical transformation that, that you or I or other people have made and you change your lifestyle, people often look at you and like they think you, they, th they, they genuinely think that you, you must be miserable. It's like, I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been. It's like they say, choose your hard, right? You can choose the hard that is 
it's it's hard in the short term, but you get the reward in the long term, or you can choose the reward in the short term, and then you get the hard in the long term. Like Dude, that's yeah, the fucking amount of effort. This alone, when I thought about, like, first of all, it stupidly took me losing over a hundred pounds before I even went to the gym. But there's some aspect where I. I utterly agree. I wouldn't have gotten focused on my diet had I not gotten sober. And so I got focused. I got sober. I got focused on my diet. And I don't even think I was on the right diet for a long time, but I lost weight. And then after having lost weight, I was like, okay, time for the gym. I start going to the gym. The, um, the idea of the gym, the idea of like the amount of effort I have to put into thinking about what I eat, eating food, which isn't as short-term rewarding as a McDonald's happy meal, but has a longer, the amount of effort is actually less in the long run or the short run than it was for me to just move through the world at 550 yep. pounds. The amount of effort it took to procure food to keep my weight up that high and continue to gain weight, that was a massive amount of effort. Every time I stood up, I was deadlifting some massive amount of weight. Like it is literal effort. Yeah. You just finding weed. I mean, you're younger than I am. So you were probably smoking weed when it was legal. So it's not that hard, but you have to go out of your way to get it. You know, you're getting the oh, stuff. I've, trust me. I've walked up to strangers that smelled like weed and, you know, like I've, I've gone there. Right. That's not fucking easy. Like that's effort. You're putting effort into it. And so now it's like sometimes going to the gym is still a struggle on my, but no matter how I feel, I feel better after I go to the gym every single time. And it's still like, I still have to remind myself of this. I feel like shit. I'm depressed. I don't want to go do any of this stuff. And like, when I get real close to going, fuck it, I'm going to stay in bed. I remind myself, I'm going to feel better if I go to the gym. And even that's not always enough. Even that isn't always the, uh, but it's, it's crazy to walk out of the gym after that and go, why did I even think twice about this? Yeah, seriously. It, it's starting is always the hardest part, no matter if it's in business, no matter if it's in, you know, fitness, making content online, like it doesn't matter what, what the thing is your anticipation of the effort that it's going to require is always less than what it is in reality. You know, like every single day I wake up and I think, Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. Like kind of how you described it. And like, once I get going, it's easy. I'm like, Oh, wait, I, I enjoy this. That, that, that's why I do this. I get reminded. It's like, Oh yeah, that, that's why I chose to do this with my life. That's why, that's why I'm going down this path, you know? And it's like, what, like five minutes into it. Once you start to get get warmed up, once you start to start writing or you're five minutes into that podcast that you that you didn't feel like doing that day or whatever the case, like not you're into it. And then you're then, like, oh, and it becomes brushing your teeth. Then it's just you're doing it. And this is what you exactly. do. Yeah. yeah. It does take reps to get there, though. Like, I, I wish I could remember better how I was taught to brush my teeth because they did such a good job that it is really just a part of life now. Yeah. And I think that's how people, I think that's how people should approach fitness, especially, you know, I can't speak to every other area of life, but in terms of like, what, what do I believe is a, is a prerequisite to being a human being? I think fitness is on the list. And I think that should be treated exactly like brushing your teeth. I'm not saying that you have to, 
uh, go do CrossFit or do keto or do whatever. You need to do something, right? It's just like, I don't tell you what toothpaste to use. I don't tell you if you should, should use a mechanical toothbrush, uh, a manual toothbrush, or like a, like a Sonicare toothbrush. Like it doesn't matter. Brush your teeth, right? Move your body eat yeah. healthy. It's funny how people, they brush their teeth in order to avoid the dental bills, but they don't get in shape in order to avoid the medical bills. Yeah. There's some go- cognitive dissonance there. And, and it is, uh, as I think, you know, the, I, th- I believe that the, um, the way all the recommendations go, like I'm only aware of this because uh, it changed, you know, I, I have to get insurance for every job I do. And, and that's normal. All actors have to get insurance. And at one point when I was very young, you know, I went in and, and they said, oh, your, your blood pressure is too high. And I was like, my blood pressure is the same as it was last time I was in here. And they were like, yeah, but we've changed. The, the guideline has changed. So my fear really is that as these averages creep up and up and up, the guideline's going to change in the other direction where it's like, well, most people have what we used to consider to be hypertension. But since most people have it now, we have to move it because that's now the average. Yeah. Um, and it's crazy to me that that's how they base it. Like that's that's how they measure the, the what is the normal range. It's just right. based off of like whoever is in that area. That's insane to me. Yeah. Because who is in that area? Like it should just be a standard, hey, this is a good place to be. It makes, right. it makes absolutely no sense, but that is absolutely a concern. And I think that, I think that that's a widespread issue beyond just like, you know, fitness or, or blood pressure, you know, just the overall lowering of standards for, for people, whether it be, whether it be, you know, work ethic, whether it be like socializing, obviously we see that in, in reality, people buried, have their face buried in their phone. Whereas if you imagine if you had somebody in the in the 1930s you know walking around the streets of new york city while everyone's while everyone's wearing a suit saying waving to each other while you got one guy that's staring at his hand walking down the street wearing sweatpants it's like and i'm not saying that we need to go back to 1930s america in terms of in terms of dress and and social cues right but there's no there's no questioning that we have lowered our standards in general throughout society and that that we have to raise them we have to raise them because as you said like as they continue to lower the bar for what is adequate lowers and but there is a bar beyond all bars right like the what what a human being should be at regardless of what everyone else is doing you know like there's certain traits that human beings should have regardless of what the standard of society is, whether you want to point to physical attributes such as blood pressure or BMI or body fat percentage or whatever, or, you know, their ability to shake somebody's hand or look somebody in the eye or, you know, somebody's work ethic showing up people's respect towards each other, the, the, this level of selflessness within an individual, like we can't, we, we have to be aware of our overall standard in society and make sure that it doesn't drop too low. Right. Because I just, and and it starts with us, right. It starts with us. It starts with us raising our own personal standards, right. Looking at society and being like, this could be better. You know, like you see everyone that's not, they're not socializing with each other. Don't hold yourself to the standard that everyone else is at set your own standard, you know, with your blood pressure too. 
Don't look at the standard that everyone else is at. Set your own standard. What's actually healthy, right? Yeah. When it comes to work ethic, same thing. You see people just showing up and going through the motions. Well, you could you could you could blend in if you did the same thing, and nobody would bat an eye. But that shouldn't be the standard. You should show up and do the best you possibly can. I just think that's a broader conversation of like standards in general. I think that they're just overall decreasing, and it's and it's not going to lead to good things in the long run. No, it's it's it it, it is. Uh, you know, I think it, it, this is that that concept has kind of invaded most aspects of life. And I, I wonder what the connection to comfort is, um, because there are still very smart people out there who, who are knowledgeable in these areas and excelling in all of these areas. But it, but it but there is something to like. The, almost the human desire for efficiency. Like if we figure out how to do something, then the next step is how do we do it more efficiently? Yep. And kind of the byproduct of that for us is a, a massive surge in obesity and a, a massive. And, you know, like I even get kind of um, perplexed about drugs because like I was a drug addict and and I had terrible terrible time with drugs and am only going to be rational in my life if I'm abstinent. So drugs don't work for me. That said, I don't want to see people thrown in jail for drugs. I think that that's a personal decision. And, and yet in the places that I've lived where drugs have become legal, I've been very put off by watching people use drugs and going like, well, that's not cool with me. I don't want to see people smoking crack on the sidewalk. I'm not into that but I don't want you going to jail for a long time for it. So, you know, it's cognitive dissonance within myself too, that I go like, I don't have the solution. I don't know what the solution is. I don't want, I don't like pe the idea of locking people up for this. And yet when there's prison reform, you get California's a mess. It's just a mess. And that's not yep. good. You know? Yeah. It's, a, it's, I mean, if this, if the solution was simple, I think we'd have already figured it out, you know, right. it's, it's definitely a, a, a difficult thing. And there's a lot of these sort of nuanced, you know, issues. That's what I say about diets. If any one of these, you know, miracle fad diets just did what it said it was going to do, everybody would have done it and it wouldn't be a problem anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially with these fad diets, there's people like when you're it, for people that aren't like into fitness, like what all of these fad diets that you jump from, you know, from keto to paleo to this, to that, to intermittent fasting, to whatever, right? Like what is the connective tissue between them all? What do they all accomplish at the same time? Well, it's a calorie deficit. That's what they do, right? That's what all of them do. And so maybe that's the answer, right? right? Like however you get there, get there. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, it's very, it is very interesting. Um, the world we live in today. And I truly think that with all the problems in the world and everything that goes on, everything comes back to, this is why I talk about self-improvement and not other subjects, right? I, like I could, I could talk about culture. I could talk about politics. I could talk about this. I could talk about that. But at the end of the day, like if we want to live in a, in a stable, free society that is free from as many problems as possible, it's going to come down to each and every one of us being a stable, free individual that is free from as many problems as possible. Because what is society? It is just people. Society is just made up of people. And the health of a society is, is a reflection of the health of its people. And so the reason that we have instability and chaos and, and all these different problems is because of the people in it. 
And I think that if we raise our standards, if we if we try to improve ourselves every little bit, every single day in every single area of life and remove the things that are hurting us and do more of the things that help us, then like I said at the beginning of this podcast, like the butterfly effect is going to be massive because you're just you, right? You're just one person. And I'm sure everyone thinks that, well, what, what am I going to do? I'm just one person. It's like, yeah, but if everyone does that, if everyone just tries to be better, if everyone helps each other out, if everyone, and I'm not looking for this like kumbaya, everyone holds hands and is perfect. Like the, the world's going to be, there's going to be problems in the world. There's always been problems in the world, no matter what, no, no matter where on the timeline you want to point to that problems existed. So we can't live in a world without problems, but we can do a whole lot better than we do right now. Uh, and- well, the, the other thing, and to your point, in in just in scientific terms, a lot of what we're talking about is scientifically socially communicable. That means that if you are surrounded by obese people, you are much more likely to become obese. And so yep. as the as the level tilts towards that, there's going to be it's going to be even harder to get out of it or maintain fitness or anything because it is so uh, like these things these issues that you're talking about societal standards going down are are wrapped up in socially communicable issues that yep. that I think will work the other way too it, oh 100% I actually just made a post about this the other day um I'm reading this book called Influence by I'm I'm not going to remember the doctor's name, but it's a, it's a very smart guy. It's just it's a it's about human psychology and persuasion. And one of the most powerful uh, forces within human psychology is social proof, right? Like most people are going to do what everyone else is doing before they even analyze if doing that thing is a good thing for them, yeah, right? Yeah. They're going to make the decision just based on the fact that everyone else is making that decision. So if everyone else is doing it, then it's probably the thing that I should do. And so when you know when it comes to increasing the standards of society, that social proof, that that influence can work in both directions, as you just said. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But somebody has to step out of line first, right? And so why not have that person be you? You know, it's get you're gonna have to be alone for a little bit. You're gonna have to have people make comments to you. You're gonna have to, you know, be the outcast within your own circle. But if you get results by doing by by bettering yourself somebody is going to say how did you do that and then that person comes along and then that person influences a person then that person influences a person three four five six seven eight nine ten people now the majority is moving in that direction and everyone else they have to the 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 social proof aspect comes in and now everyone's getting better 
simply because the majority is getting better. And so it's, it's monkey see, monkey do, follow the leader. Yeah. You have to be the leader. You don't need a special job title in order to be a leader. You just have to make decisions that are the best decisions. That's it. You have to make better decisions for yourself and people will follow. That's just yeah. what it boils down to. Matt, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And now for the Q&A. Hello from Mark. Hi, Mark. He says, hey, Ethan, I started my new lifestyle at 5'8", 369 pounds, and now I'm at 310. That's awesome. Yeah, so good. He says, I've learned a lot. I'm currently on a 1,500-calorie daily diet, and I'm now at, uh, he says, 310 after getting comfortable with my calories. Wait, sorry. How many daily calories? 1,500. Okay. He says, um, after getting comfortable with my calories, I started monitoring my sodium and protein. Reducing sodium has led me to fresher options. Instead of pickles and jalapenos, I now use fresh cucumbers and peppers. Avoiding frozen meals, canned soups, I like to try to meal prep more often. My question is in regard to protein. Like you, bike riding has been my primary source of exercise. I love the feeling of freedom and the low impact on my bad ankles and knees. I'm not focusing on getting ripped, but I want to maintain as much muscle as possible. I introduce low calorie, low sodium, low cholesterol protein shakes, and I usually get about 100 to 125 grams of protein per day. I ride my bike 15 miles per week on average. Is my protein and exercise style good for maintaining my strength and muscle? I've read a lot of different opinions on how much protein I should be getting, and I'd appreciate you clarifying. Okay. So did he say how many total grams of protein he's eating a day? Between a hundred and 125. Yeah. I would want to up, I, I would suggest upping that. Um, and then really the other, uh, kind of necessary component for the preservation of lean tissue is resistance training because first of all, anything Anything you do repeatedly, your body is going to figure out. Your body is going to try to um, – your body does not want to lose weight. It's fighting against you. Weight is a savings account. So you are basically denying yourself food so that you will lose weight. But if you – if you just go like, I'm just going to eat 1500 calories until all this weight comes off. I promise you, you're going to hit some really, really, really rough patches where, um, the weight stops coming off because your body has basically slowed you down so much that it can, can, it can, it can just exist off of 1500 calories and that won't be a deficit. Mm. Um, 1500 seems really low to me. But, and then if you're just, if your activity is 15 miles a week on the bike, your body's going to figure that out too. And it's going to learn how to do that as a, it's going to stop basically, um, getting better from that because it, 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 it's factored that into your activity and it's learned how to turn other processes off you gotta 
you got you can't just do the same thing over and over and over again your body under starts to understand what you're doing and it starts to work against um getting better your it, your body is only going to build muscle or preserve muscle if it absolutely has to everything you're doing your body thinks you're doing to survive so when you're riding 15 miles a week your body thinks that is a part of survival and now that you're only eating 1500 calories a day, your body thinks that is the only food you have access to. So your body's number one goal now is how to slow down your metabolic process. And by doing that, it literally, it's not something we can generally beat through uh, decision-making, but it's talking less animatedly, having less energy. You know, maybe you think I... If you were full of calories and full of fuel and you thought, I have to pee, you're going to pop up and go pee. And maybe now you're going like, I'll wait a little while. And you wait to pee until you really have to. Um, you start looking for closer parking spaces. You don't stand up when you greet people. Like All of that stuff is the bulk of where you're burning your calories. Exercise is just a little tiny benefit to it. But the bulk of burning your calories is non exercise active thermogenesis. So that means the entire day of being up and mobile is where you're burning the majority of your calories. Exercise is like some very small, maybe 5% of that total. Interesting. And yeah. And so when we try to exercise is really good and there are a lot of health benefits from it. But if we just constantly are doing the same thing, our body learns that that's a part of what we're doing and we're not going to benefit from it. And so when we're talking about wasting lean tissue or losing muscle mass, the only really way, real way to do that is through resistance training. And that doesn't mean you have to like lift huge heavy weights, but you have to let your muscles know that they're still needed. Um, in a way that, that, um, maintains their mass, because I guarantee you 15 miles a week, the muscle in your legs is probably overly adequate to fulfill that. And even doing that is not going to maintain the muscle mass in your legs. Um, and then protein is the second component here where, you should be eating at least one gram per pound of your goal weight. So whatever your goal weight is, if your, if your goal weight is a hundred pounds, then a hundred grams is fine. But I suspect being a dude who's five, eight, your goal weight is a bit north of 100 pounds or even 120 pounds. And so I would suggest eating a little bit more protein and doing some resistance training. It doesn't mean you have to like, be a gym bro and, and lifting super heavy weights. And it actually doesn't take a lot to maintain muscle mass. Like building muscle is a lot harder than maintaining muscle mass. But, and there are so many videos on YouTube, which will give you templates for this. It doesn't have to be every day. It could be two or three days a week that you just go and lift some weights for 45 minutes or an hour, and then you're done. Awesome. That is such good advice from Mark. If anyone else has a question they would like Ethan to answer, you can email it to us. It's hello at americanglutton.net.
Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. <laughs>